Pod. All right, cut the metronome. <laughs> we are live with the first fully unedited episode of the Podcham Pod. It's been a couple weeks. Needed to do some real things in my life, but we're back. Max, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, you know, Katie has not been traded. DeAndre Ayton has not been signed. Donovan Mitchell has not been traded. Cut the shit. Okay, this, these, these, these conventional intros are over. This is, we, this is us now. This is who we are. And the first segment we're going to jump into, we're just tentatively calling flag planting. We're planting some flags. It's what everyone wants to do in their podcast, but you kind of work around it by creating a segment that allows you to say what you're passionate about. I'm just going to start spit firing some things that I believe. One, KD will be on the nets on opening night. And I say this because I don't think there's a team in the league dumb enough to trade for him given what I assume Sean Marks and Joe Sy are looking for. Can you just tell me this? Is there a team that comes to mind? Is there a package that is realistic, that is worth a yes from Brooklyn? So the problem is that the price is so prohibitively high that any team that would make sense to even maybe ask for Durant would just be too intimidated to even really come with an offer. But having said that, I do think New Orleans makes the most sense. If you can swap out Ingram for Durant without giving up any other real players outside of maybe a host of Lakers picks, which I think have some real value, if you trot out a lineup of McCullum, Durant, Zion, plus Herb Jones and your suite of young players, like that is a real team. Woo! that I would be very excited about. And Durant, you know, I mean, Durant and Ingram are not, you know, the same type of player, but obviously plugging in a wing of that sort yeah. next to Zion and McCollum, like that's championship level team. So that's the one I'm most interested in. Um, I know the Toronto one has been thrown out a bunch, but if you're giving up Scotty Barnes and Ananobi or something like that, I, it's still you're a good team that you're left with, but just that pre- Masai would never do a trade like that. He wants yeah. to, he wants to win every trade by like a decisive margin. He's got that Ainge gene in him. So, I don't know. It's just a hard market where the price is so high. It's hard to see a team really meeting that. Right. But can we agree that Zion's trade value, despite the eighty-five games career games played, is still greater than Ingram's trade value? Right. Teams want Zion more. He's higher on their on their trade value. Yeah, but he can't be traded for like six plus months because he just yeah. got extended. But but assuming that they can't find a deal for KD and Kyrie, or KD here, um, until then, I, I know that I'd rather trade KD for Zion straight up. Obviously, you'd need to match the contracts, get Valanchunas in there, maybe CJ gets involved. But I, I, I would definitely rather retain Ingram, Herb Jones, and the other assets that the Pelicans have accrued than... If trading Zion for KD straight up is an option, um, just because of the uncertainty. Obviously, I'm a Zion hater. I come at this with my slant, but Ingram is a hell of a player, and he's just more durable than Zion. If I were the Pelicans, that was the one team I looked at where I was like, wait, we've kind of penciled in the Pelicans package as Ingram plus assets. Mm -hmm. But I personally would rather give up Zion and say, you know, let's see what we can do with KD, Ingram, and the talented young pieces we already have. Zion's just like the most exciting player 
to come into the league and to sit on the bench. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I can't wait for a flag that I'm going to plant in a few minutes. Uh, just cause I'm so excited to watch him play again <laughs> this year, but, Oh God. Yeah. No, for, you, you can prepare yourself, but okay. Well, I, I just think that right now, as of the packages that are at least public, at least swirling in the rumor mill, uh, that the team that trades for him, for KD is making a mistake. I, I don't think that the, whatever, what is the expression strike while the iron's hot? I, I, it's not the time. And I, and I've also, from what I've gathered, this is a situation where Sean Marks gave all those picks to the Rockets for Kevin Dur- for James Harden. And my fear now, if I were a Nets fan, I'd be worried that the Marks is going to cut off his nose to spite his face. Thinking like huge face. <laughs> thinking he wants to keep the Nets relevant in the next couple of years so those Rockets pi- those picks that now belong to the Rockets don't get prettier and prettier. When really you're here now. You didn't expect the KD, Kyrie, James Harden experiment to explode, it did. Rebuild. Unless there is a bona fide superstar where you feel like you can actually just swap KD and be about the same team, but that doesn't seem to be out there for me. Yeah. I mean, I get the rationale of wanting to go for a young star because like, when you rebuild, one of the most valuable things is just being able to suck and know that you'll get a high draft pick, but if all those picks are going to Houston, like... Yeah, there's not that much value in that. So I get the appeal of just trying to get a young star and trying to retool on the fly around him. But yeah, I could very well see this just dragging on into the season. And because think about the Nets roster right now. We were just saying this at dinner. Katie, Kyrie, Ben Simmons, TJ Warren, Nick Claxton. And the guys around them. Seth Curry, Joe Seth Curry, Harris. Seth Curry still a Nat. Joe, Joe Harris's contract still lives in Brooklyn, that's a really talented roster. I don't know how the Nets really benefit from, from any of the deals that seem to be available now. And you might argue that they should go in the rebuilding direction if Durant's actually out because it feels ridiculous saying that Ben Simmons is ready to help a contender right now. He probably needs a year at least to rehabilitate his brain um, and his soul. But yeah, okay. So so yeah. we so we so we hit on that flag. Okay. Do you have a flag? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one in the soil if you give me like ten seconds. I do. Um, I'm trying to decide which one I want to start with. I'm gonna say neither finalist from the, this year makes it back again this year, and I would say three. That's co- not a flag. Three quarters of the conference finalists don't make it back to the conference finals. Okay, either. so that would be Mavs, Warriors, Celtics, Heat. Yes. Okay. Of those four, I think the Warriors will make it back to the conference finals and not the other three. And so, you know, the Heat, you know, definitely felt like they overachieved. So I see how you get there. Jimmy's only getting older. Yep. Um, they lost PJ Tucker. Kyle Lowry. I don't know who Kyle Lowry will be next year. Yep. But talk talk about the Mavs because I know I know Brunson is a Nick now. Yep. I know I know that he's now your He's now your shaman and the leader of your franchise, but is there that much of a loss? Brunson did struggle as the as the as the playoffs went on. He was not the guy against the Warriors that he was in Utah. Can you make the argument that the Mavs are about the same without Brunson and the ways they'll fill his salary? I mean, I would argue that they are going to be slightly worse without Brunson. But even if they are about the same, I think the improvement from the rest of the West yeah. is going to knock them probably out of the top four. Like, you have Warriors... The Los Angeles Bombers. Yeah, Warriors, I think, will be back better 
with all their young guys improving. Clippers will be back with Kawhi and Paul George and all the depth pieces that they have and the endless supply of wings that they have. Mm -hmm. The Nuggets, another flag coming up, I think will be very, very good, particularly as a regular season team. You've got the Grizzlies. You've got all these up-and-coming teams. Who knows if the Lakers trade for Kyrie Irving? Who knows if the Grizzlies make improvements with the young players that they have? Like Phoenix, if they trade for Kevin Durant, it's just going to be really hard to honestly even to get to the second round of the playoffs in the Western Conference next year. Yeah. And then in the Eastern Conference, I think, I mean, Boston, it was impressive that they made it to the finals, but the Nets are going to, if they keep the same team around, that's not going to be the same Nets team next year. Miss Credleton. And if they don't, Chris Middleton's injury was huge. I have another flag coming up on Giannis and just how invested I am emotionally, <laughs> physically, um, everything Lee in Giannis. Yeah. I just think he's going to rampage through the East next year. Okay. All right. That was, th- that was a weak flag. I hope, I hope there's some more spice coming from your end. It was a tapas. Um, but you know what? My next one isn't so, isn't so audacious either. I'm just, I just want to say now Donovan Mitchell is not going to be a member of the Utah jazz. What, what do you call that? A Utah musician on, on opening night. He's gone. I, I don't care. The Jazz have more leverage in trade conversations when they're telling every national, local reporter that they plan to, quote, retool according to Woj around Donovan Mitchell. I just don't understand how you go from the last couple transactions to doing that. Obviously, they have like a war chest of picks now that they could turn into, you know, real basketball players. But uh, Royce O'Neal... Didn't have his best playoffs, but he was legitimately the only average to above average perimeter defender the Jazz had. They traded him to the Nets for a pick. That's a move you make. You know, like, like what are they going to do now? Flip one of those picks for a guy like Roy- Royce O'Neal um, to fill that 3 and D role to add some toughness around Donovan Mitchell, who's never defended worse than he did against the Warrior. Oh, no, against the Mavs in round one. Jalen Brunson. <laughs> um, yeah, and so... I, I think that, that, that Donovan Mitchell's on his way out. I think that the Jazz, Danny Ainge sees what he just got for Utah with Gobert. And he's like, wait, I've got Mitchell, who's 26 now. Contract will end when he's 30, paying him around 27 to 30 million. That contract's going to look really good. Um, Mitchell's stock hasn't been lower than it is now in a couple of years. And I still feel like you can get more for him than you did Gobert. At least that's what you're telling yourself if you're in Utah's war room. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's a reasonable take for sure. Um, I do wonder a little bit if... I mean, it's weird to say because Gobert just went for an absurd price, but it just feels like the trade market isn't particularly hot right now. Mm -hmm. Like, even as a fan of the Knicks... um, RJ? Are you putting RJ in a Mitchell package? No, I'm not. And I don't think I don't think the Knicks are yeah. either. Uh, and I don't think that they're particularly hungry to sell the farm for for Donovan Mitchell just because I don't know if it's a public perception thing with how that first round series yeah. went, but it's it's clear at this point that he he hasn't he's kind of been the same player for about three years now, I'd say. Yeah. And it's hard to see much of a path for improvement unless he becomes like a a defensive ace in the way that ironically he was 
projected coming out of college. Right. Um, sort of the latest in the lineage of the Westbrook, like, awesome defenders in college where it doesn't yeah. actually translate to the NBA for some reason. Right. Um, six six one, six ten wingspan. Exactly. Incredible quickness. Has all the tools to be an above-average defender. And has they, been significantly below average. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you there. I just think from Utah's perspective, you aren't going to lure, you know, a blue chip superstar to Utah. And I think it's pretty clear at this point that Donovan isn't the best guy on a contender. Yeah. And so maybe they're just thinking, okay, we have this bevy of picks that we got for Rudy. It's time to blow it up fully. Yeah. Um, you know, bomb for Wembanyam, whatever you want to call next year's yeah. tanking sweepstakes, but just be in the mix for another really strong draft and go from there. But yeah. again, I, I think that, you know, like you said, Mitchell's stock isn't where it, it could be. Maybe he dominates for a couple months, you know, becomes an average defender, and the Jazz have offers on the table that just don't exist right now. Yeah. All right, throw something my way. Uh, the Pelicans are going to miss the play-in tournament because they will be a top-six seed. Jesus Christ. That was Skip Bayless level. <laughs> Um, okay, so you think Zion's going to be healthy. You I think do. Zion's going to be below 330 pounds. I do, yeah. All right, that, that's good. I care about you, so that worries me, but let's hear it. Well, what, what, about, what, else, what other than Zion? Because First of all, so the Pelicans started horribly last year, and then they kind of got together and then traded for C.J. McCollum, and after they traded for C.J. McCollum, we're at like a 500 to slightly above 500 pace, if I remember correctly. They should expect some improvement from Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, uh, Brandon Ingram, who had the best season of his career last year. And I was really not someone who was very in on Brandon Ingram. I've always been a huge Zion fan. So two years ago when I was watching the two of them, I thought this fit is bad. Like yeah. Ingram has to go to, to give way to Zion. We weren't, but, we weren't quite as bought in on Ingram as a shooter. Yeah. Now I think we're, we're fully bought in on the shooting. With and Ingram. as a playmaker, his playmaking playmaker, yeah. really took a huge step forward last year. I mean, you combine him with CJ and honestly on their coaching staff, they seem to have a cheat code with their shooting coach, Fred Vincent, <laughs> yeah. who just seems to boost everyone's three point percentage who comes through there by like four percentage points. And they seem to just have carte blanche to draft whoever they want who has a questionable jump shot because they're like, oh, we'll just give them to Coach Fred Vincent and he'll make them into a respectable three-point shooter. Mm -hmm. That's why I think I wasn't very high on Dyson Daniels in the draft, but I think New Orleans was the perfect place right. for him to end up. Yeah. And yeah, I just think that team with Zion, who when he was healthy was one of the most unstoppable offensive forces and scoring forces in yeah. the league talking about 27 points per game on 60% shooting. That's just not something that you see very often. Yeah. And when you add that in with McCullum, who's just a bucket getter playmaker, Ingram, who's the same thing and tall and long, and Valanchunas, who can, who can get buckets. It's just that team is going to be so good offensively, I think. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe... Herb Jones, Alvarado, those more defensively oriented guys can plug some of the holes that their offensively gifted stars um, leave open. Yeah, and it just, I don't know, they just had so such like a, I mean, it was like a two-week run, but it was so magical with them getting through like the play-in and taking two games off the Suns, yep. which uh, probably should have been a bit of an omen of things to come for the Suns when we were watching them go further into the playoffs. But yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I am really high on this Pelicans team. Um, and I have been really high on them throughout Zion's entire career, and I've been burned many times, but I really think this is the year where they take a big step forward. Yeah, I think if there's any premier skill Zion's had since he was drafted, it's eating. <laughs> and so I think that he's going to swallow the positive energy that the Pelicans established in round one against the Suns. But I hear you. He's, a very, he's an incredibly proficient offensive player. Um, and the Pelicans definitely have a high ceiling this year. It sounds like you'd kind of want to run it with everything they have before thinking about a KD shipment uh, if, you're, if you're New Orleans. All right. Um, speaking of Dyson Daniels, I'm gonna, we're going to get a little hot here, turn the temperature up. Here's my flag. Don't be surprised if Chet Holmgren isn't the best player the Thunder drafted this year. I know that I'm barking up the wrong tree because you're such a Jalen Williams guy yourself. Yep. Um, I'm so in love with his developing body and the skill that he brings to it as a guy who was 5'10", his junior year of high school, barely scratching the surface of his skill set even to this point. You've detailed his ability as a passer. Mm -hmm. I am so high on Jalen Williams. I'm going to overreact to some early magic in the summer league. Yep. Uh, he looks stronger. He looks like a more powerful finisher. You mentioned earlier tonight that his, he, he looks twitchy in a way that he was more of a smooth operator at Santa Clara. I'm, I'm so high on this guy. Um, we're going to talk about young cores later in this episode, um, but he definitely bumps up uh, the, the Thunder's young core standing in my eyes. And I'm so high on Chet. I'm, I mean, Chet's incredible. I can count on one hand the number of seven footers that I think are more skilled on both ends than he is and I think his mind on defense is elite however the body scares me I I, I was arguing with my friend earlier tonight that just that, that I like that I think Poku looks more <laughs> Poku looks medically safer than chat <laughs> and um you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know who's going to get the, the right number of carbs in Chet's body, but right now it's really hard for me to see that guy lasting in a 100-game season. Did you see that interview with Perk on draft night where Perk <laughs> yeah. was like, when I got to OKC, I ain't getting, I ain't getting to 290. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, you're talking to the wrong guy because I had Jalen Williams at 6 on my board where he was yeah. projected in the late teens. Yeah, in and, most places. And, I and I feel like a complete bitch for not having Jalen Williams above Dyson Daniels. I think I drank a little bit of the Dyson Daniels defensive Kool-Aid. Now, look, maybe he'll pop up in the summer league and give us reasons to believe as well. But offense, shot creation is and shooting, like those are those are the most rare, difficult to acquire skills in the NBA. And it just seems like Jalen Williams has a much higher offensive ceiling than Dyson Daniels. So good on you for having him at six. Uh, I, I don't want to sound crazy and say he should have been over Matherin, but I've had those I've had those delusions of grandeur the last forty eight hours. Yeah. And I just I just want to say it. I think people are going to talk about Chet. He had an absolutely transcendent first summer league game. Um, but but don't forget Jalen Williams. <laughs> the ceiling for that guy is really high. Um, for a guy who is older than most of the guys that we associate with future um, all stardom. Yeah, when it comes to the draft. I don't want to be typecast as the guy who talks about Jalen Williams on every podcast, but the guy's 6'6". Six, six. He's got a seven-foot wingspan. 7'2". He, he can shoot really well. He didn't miss a three through his first two summer league games. I think his passing is incredible, and it's not something I've seen uncorked much as of yet uh, through a few summer league games, but 
I just think is a ball handler. He's got a ton of upside. At the very least, he'll be an intelligent guy who can shoot, play solid positional defense, and handle the ball a little bit. And that's a really high floor for a guy that you're picking in the late lottery. And when you throw in the ball handling upside, the passing upside, just the general, I think, basketball savantness that he has, I'm extremely encouraged with yeah. what his NBA future is going to be. But I also love Chet. I think Chet's going to be a really good player. I think the Thunder just outright won the draft by a wide margin this year. Yeah. And I... I, I agree with you, though. I think guys with Jalen Williams' tools yeah. have a super high floor. He's going to be in the league a really long time. The question is, how high can he get? Yeah. Um, and I think you're you're right. You know, I agree with you that Chet's ceiling is higher. I just think there are a lot of really positive outcomes for Jalen Williams. All right. All right. This one is for you. This is therapy, but I mean it. I'm not just saying it to make your night. I think Jalen Brunson is a great deal for the Knicks. And hmm. I I don't understand the mockery. Like, oh, they're paying him 21, 22 a year, whatever it is. It's like 26. 20, is it, I thought it's, what is it? Oh, wait. It's five years, 104, I thought. Yeah, I think so. So, you know, it's like 20, it's basically 20 million, 21 million. Um, that number is going to age really well for him. Like, point blank. He, nobody is in New York thinks that Jalen Brunson is carrying their offense through the playoffs. At least I hope. Maybe the Bing Bong dudes are are that drunk on on Jalen Brunson right now. But I I don't know. I I think New York is just always a candidate to bring in a big fish, and it can't hurt. You got to spend your cap somewhere. Jalen Brunson's a really good player. He got a little. He got less efficient as the playoffs went on. But I buy his finishing. The guy's six one. He's one of the best finishers in the league, and he's not doing it with athleticism. He's doing it with savvy. He's getting Rudy Gobert off his feet and finishing with the left. He's a master of the pivot foot. I I like Jalen Brunson for twenty or so million a year. It's, and as the cap goes up, I think it's only going to look better. I will say descending contract as well. It is a descending contract. I will say it is four one hundred four, not five one hundred four. So it's about twenty six a year. Okay. All right. If that changes your flag planting at all. I lose some credibility, but my flag stays in the ground. Yeah. So I would agree. I mean, he's going to be... Like up it by a few million a year. I, yeah. I, I, I think... Um, he's going to be like... the bla- Let me put it this way. The Blazers just paid Anthony Simons 25 mil a year. Yeah. Okay? I like Brunson for that number way more than, than, than Anthony Simons. And you know that's coming from a place of hurt. And he's going to be like the 14th highest paid point guard in the league this year. And that's only going to go down as time goes and what, on. And what number point guard do you think he is in the league? Probably about 14. Okay. He's, he's, okay. He's so, so, he's being, <laughs> so, so he's being properly paid. Okay. Yeah. We agree on that flag. Right. Um, so I think, you know, he's going to make the Knicks more competitive. He's the best point guard we've had in my time as a fan. Best, best lefty backcourt in the league? Jalen and RJ? Well. It's worth a conversation. Remains to be seen whether we start... Fournier at our two and yeah. RJ at three. Yeah. Or I guess you could, you know, it's tomato tomato <laughs> a little bit. Although we'll probably start Grimes because we need some defense to to shore up Brunson's shortcomings on that end. But you know, I'm happy with the signing. I think the plan is just to remain competitive until yeah. we can trade for a star player. Stay in the mix. Is. Get a really good get a really good player. Perhaps someone who can become like a borderline all-star. He seems like a guy who will sit kind of below all-star territory for a long time. And those guys are really valuable. If you don't have an elite point guard, but you have somebody really good, you know, I feel better about Brunson's durability to this point than a guy like Brogdon who's making the same kind of money. So yeah. um, 
I don't hate it for the Knicks. I think that they've been a little bit slandered. I don't hate that they passed on Usman Jang. Um, I talked about my, my fears of Jang uh, in our draft pod. And, you know, I don't know. I, I feel pretty good if I'm the Knicks right now, just based on the last couple weeks. They, they haven't done anything ridiculous. And when you're a Knicks fan, I feel like that is above the bar that you're used to. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I have no quibbles with that flag, for sure. I, for my next one, I'm just going to say Giannis. I'm planting my flag with Giannis. Um, I think he's going to absolutely rampage the East next year. I think MVP number three is on its way okay. this year. All right. I think... The rise. And I think he's going to be... I think there's a pretty consensus Mount Rushmore for the NBA of Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, and Magic. I think if you ask most NBA fans, those are probably the four names you would hear the most. Mm -hmm. And I think he's, but when it's all said and done, I think he's going to be number five. Like he's going to be right there. I okay. am so... We're, we are throwing this up on the internet. I that's that's going to hurt you. So ready for his revenge tour next year yeah. where he knows he's the best player in the league even though he's way too humble to ever say it he's always going to say don't put me in a class with kd you know joel's a great player Jokic is a great yeah. player silent killer Giannis is the prince who was promised in the nba right now and i just cannot wait to see what he's going to do yeah. this year i think there's another mvp coming his way i think there's another championship coming his way and I just, there's no one who I would rather just throw my whole lot yeah. in with than Giannis right now. Just his mental makeup combined with his physical gifts and uh, yeah, you can basketball skills. You, you can still make an argument that, you know, um, J Jason Tatum goes into Milwaukee in game six and keeps that series alive. Um, the, the Celtics stole that series. You know, yeah. maybe didn't steal it, but barely pulled it out yeah. when, you know, they announced Middleton's out for the series before game one, and we both agreed that the only logical pick was Boston in six. Yeah. And then it became... Or five. Or, yeah, I think we both said six. Yeah. Um, but, and then the series began, and it was immediately apparent that Giannis was a tier above Tatum, a tier above Brown. Um, so I don't hate it. I yeah. I thought, you know, after the flow of those first couple of games that it was it was Milwaukee's series, and I couldn't believe it. Um, and Boston pulled it out, but but you know, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Giannis delivers on what you want to see, what you believe in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Yeah, I just I think there's so much competitive balance in the league. Also, like I think there's probably, you know six to nine teams who could reasonably win a title next year, yeah. which is more than we can say going into most seasons. Um, you have a lot, you have a lot of major swing teams. Yeah. You mentioned the Nuggets. They could be incredible. You know, MPJ could also not be the same. Uh, his, you know, his medical troubles could, could plague him and maybe the Nuggets can't finally get over the top. But same goes for the Clippers. Like, one of those teams is going to pop. One of these yeah. uber-talented, uber um, recently latent West Coast teams is going to pop and give Giannis a run for his money, and the East is going to be really strong as well. But, yeah. but yeah, I think his path in the East might get a little bit easier. Yeah, and another flag plant I have is that the Nuggets are going to be a top three team in the West. Okay, all right, all right. You know, obviously will depend on health, but I'm with you. Mm. Um, okay, the last thing I had written down was just 
Minnesota and Atlanta, you got fucking fleeced. I cannot believe that four firsts was the price for Rudy Gobert. He's very valuable. I don't think that I'm alone on this hill. I think it's a highly populated hill. But I think Minnesota did incredibly well. Or, sorry, Utah did incredibly well to get the assets they got for Rudy Gobert. Yeah. And uh, not, I don't, I'm not quite as passionate about the... Uh, the Spurs win in that Atlanta trade, but I still think that it was an awesome move for the Spurs to get three first, which historically is sometimes like a superstar price. I love DeJounte Murray. He's on a great contract. I think it's like 18 mil a year or so for an all-star caliber player, a two-way guard who fits in really well with Trey in a lot of ways. But that's a lot of assets. And I, I feel like yeah. it's been compared to the Drew Holiday trade that Milwaukee made that kind of took them over the top and helped them secure that 2021 title. I feel like Milwaukee was so much closer to getting over the that to getting over that hump, and I, Atlanta feels like they're more than a move away. And so I think that they're going to regret mortgaging their future to such an extent to get Dejounte. But you know, maybe. yeah, even with Dejounte, they're not going to be better than Boston. They're not going to be better than Milwaukee. If Brooklyn hangs on to their guys. They probably won't be better than Brooklyn. They're not going to be better than Philly. Like they're going to be, a, and they're like in the mix with Toronto, and sort of in that five, six, seven. Yeah. You know, probably will avoid the play-in, but you never know. You never know. And Dejounte Murray does a lot of things incredibly well. He's not a great spot-up shooter. And guess what? Trey Young really loves having the ball. Like it's. DeJounte Murray has thrived on the ball for, for the Spurs. And I think that there's going to be, there will be some growing pains, at least early, where DeJounte Murray is spotting up on the wing and it's kind of a clear out for Trey. Yeah. And that is just not a role where Murray is particularly dangerous. Yeah. So I, 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 like, the, I like that Murray um, will defend and, and be able to guard a lot of guys that Trey Young just can't. And maybe they'll be better at hiding Trey's weaknesses on that end. But. It's a lot. Three firsts. I mean, he's one, one first less than Rudy. And yeah, so if, if I'm Utah or San Antonio, uh, forget full-on tanking. I just think that they're in better positions now. If your ultimate goal is to win an NBA title, I think mm -hmm. Utah and San Antonio are better positioned to do that in the next few years, even though they had to give up a star player yeah. to, to get there. And it's funny because both of those trades were ended up pairing two guys together who play the same position, which yeah. is just kind of a, I don't know if it means anything, it's just kind of a funny trend or just a funny thing to see across two trades like that where yeah. DeJounte and Trey are both to this point in their careers have been primary ball handlers and point guards and Cat and Gobert have been third team all NBA center, one of them for the last yeah. five or six years. So it's just funny to see teams going in that direction of, I don't know if it's positionless where you just don't care and try to put the best players you can together or if they think there's some advantage to be gained by having a duplication of those skill sets, but it's it's just interesting to see those players paired together. Yeah, I you, you touched on the Minnesota fit. Who the hell is Carl Anthony Towns guarding? I get that Gobert is the rim protector now and they'll make up for some of the softness at the rim that you get with Cat when he's playing the five, but... I feel like a lot of the cat magic is letting him play the five on offense and the spacing that that provides your offense. And now what? He's guarding wings? Because a lot of teams are playing, you know, four guards in a center or, or four guys who can dribble or, you know, attack the rim in a center. Uh, so I don't know how cat's going to fit in. 
And it's just funny to me seeing Rudy go to another defense where like he's going to be elite at least for a couple more years. You got to assume he's going to be the elite rim protector. He's been for you know half a decade and still be on uh, what we have to assume will be an, a below average defense just because of the guys around him. But you know yeah. it's on it's on some really talent physically talented guys like Ant and Jaden McDaniels to become elite defenders. They can be. Ant hasn't been a great defender at this point in his career. He bites on plays he shouldn't. Um, but like Donovan Mitchell, has all of the tools to be a better defender than he's shown to this point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. Um, do you want to move on to the young core draft? Yeah, just last thing. Last Blazers thing. Shaden Sharp, uh, I was terrified of him pre-draft. I don't hate the pick, okay? Uh, I worry that Sohan's going to haunt me for a decade, decade plus. It's okay. I, I can't hate that the Blazers took a swing on Shaden Sharp. It's a superstar hunting league. The only way that we salvage Dame's prime in a major way is if we add an all-star to the mix. If we get a real guy who changes things, Shaden Sharp has that ceiling. The floor is terrifying. Um, but I, it, it's grown on me. And, and, that, and, that, and obviously some of that is just trying to rationalize what my team is putting me through. Yep. But, I, but I, I can't hate that they took a, a unanimous like top five, four talent in the draft and just said, fuck it. You know what? Maybe he'll bust. But the only way things really change for us is if we have another all-star. And Shaden might have been the, the best swing at seven. So don't hate it. But Sohan, please please don't be the next Spurs great. Yeah. And we're recording this very shortly before the Portland Trailblazers' <laughs> first summer league game. So we'll see if that changes at all in the next few hours. Yeah. But yeah, when I was scouting Shaden Sharp, it was like he could be Jalen Green. He could be Gerald Green. Yeah. He could be... J.R. Smith. Bradley Beal. You threw Vince Carter in there. I threw Vince Carter in there because the athleticism is there for sure. Just a 6'6", super athlete who can shoot. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's the the NBA 2K23 Summer League now. That's the sponsor. (laughs) NBA 2K23. We have Devin Booker and Luka on the... On the cover, that's the first son-father pairing on, on the 2K cover we've ever had. Yep. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. All right, let's move on over. Yeah, my, to- uh, my, <laughs> last, my last sentence I want to say is I want nothing more than a healthy Embiid through two rounds of the playoffs yeah. or through a round of the playoffs. We deserve it. I need a healthy Embiid against Giannis playoff series. And yeah. I can't believe we haven't got it yet. It's about time. That's it. How about a Luka Giannis finals? Any of it. Okay. Uh, the second and final segment we wanted to play around with, just a young core draft. I'm giving you the first pick, Max. We're drafting guys who are 24 as of, or younger as of opening night. So you pick, you know, let's say you pick the Cavs. You're picking everyone on that team 24 or younger. Um, we're going to disagree on some of the fringe guys because I think it's all about the stars in this league. And obviously, you know, teams like Memphis have really good role guys, but... Who's your first overall pick in the young core draft? Yeah, you know, they have really good role guys. They also have this guy named John Moran who just made first team All-NBA. So I'm going to take Memphis at number one. Uh, They're guys under 24. John Morant, Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, Zaire Williams, Xavier Tillman, and then some more like shot-in-the-dark guys like Sante Aldama, Kenny Lofton, who's shown some signs at Summer League. Don't even start. David Roddy, God Jake Larabia, guys they drafted in the in the late first round, early yeah, second round. Yeah, they're so good because we haven't seen them play a game in the league yet. 
I'm just Se- naming seventy-five percent of the summer league guys will never will never make an NBA team. Just naming the guys under twenty-four. But at the moment, you have a guy who made first team All NBA already in John Morant. Mm-hmm. You have both Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bain, who are high-level starters with All-Star upside, I would say, and a number of really solid role players. They basically have an entire contending team of guys under 24, essentially. So I think that's a high-level young core. And I understand what you're probably going to come back at me with, but that's who I would take number one overall just because you have the high-upside guy plus the high-level starters with all-star upside plus the role players. This team has already made the second round and probably gave the Warriors their toughest push of the entire playoffs before Ja got hurt. So Yeah. Okay. I can't hate it, but with the second pick in the young core draft, I'm taking the Mavs. Luka Doncic, virtuoso, kind of a segment breaking pick, right? He's the <laughs> he's the only guy twenty four or younger who matters to this core. And Jay yet, Hardy? Jay Hardy, <laughs> can I interest you in that? Uh no need. Luke Luca was gonna be my first pick. Because I really believe in my heart of hearts with no sort of fan ramifications, no uh, loyalty-breaking ramifications, that if the, Mam- if the Grizzlies offered Ja, Jaren, and Bane for Luka, I-, I don't think the Mavs are parting ways with the guy that they think is going to be the best player in the league. Probably already, They probably already think he is and is going to be for another 10 years, given he doesn't need to rely on his athleticism. It's all skill-based dominance. Um, Luca might just be the number one guy that I would start my team with right now, regardless of contract. Yeah, obviously. Top two for yeah, sure. Giannis is you know Giannis has a strong argument two ways, but yeah, the Mavs were first on my board, and it's because of Luca. And those are the guys that you spend your entire NBA career trying to acquire. And Jaw is incredible; he's first team All NBA, and still that gap between Jaw and Luca, I believe, will remain stark enough that Luca rises above the well-rounded package of young talent that the Memphis Grizzlies have. All right. It's possible. Third pick, who you got? Third pick, very happy I'm getting these guys at number three. It's Oklahoma City. Oh, my God, I'm winning. fucking love the Oklahoma City young core. And it's not just because Chet had an incredible first summer league game. Um, I do have high hopes for him. You've also got Shea Gilgis-Alexander, very high-level young point guard. Lou Dort, freshly off signing, a five-year, almost $90 million contract. Yeah, he looks he looks a little bit less special at that number, but I love Dort. I love Dort. They're not paying anyone else. Everyone else is on their rookie deals. <laughs> Josh Giddy, who is younger than Chet Holmgren. Yeah. Uh, Poku, you never know if he could turn into something. As well as Usman Jang, who they drafted in this year's draft, and Jalen Williams. There's who... too much talent on our boards left for you to mention Usman Jang in this on this on this pick. He was Okay, the... give me Chet, give me Shea, give me Giddy. And let's talk about Jalen Williams, because obviously I'm all in on that guy. We've talked about I don't wanna Jaylen... <laughs> I don't wanna hear about Usman, okay? The dude has stunk so far in the summer league. He was an eleventh pick that the the genius Knicks wanted no part of. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just I don't think I don't think he factors in here when we're at this high in the draft. But but I hear you. It's a good pick. Yeah. I love Jalen Williams. He's my favorite player in this draft. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. And we've, <laughs> we've talked about Chet Holmgren and you throw in Shea Gilgis Alexander, who feels like he's been in the league forever, but he's still, you know, under twenty four and, and yeah. has room to grow. So 
I think, you know, Thunder fans, stay patient. I really like what's coming with with this group that they have together. And it's also a group, you know, where they could parlay a few of those guys into another high-level player down the road if they want to do that. Um, yep. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, with the fourth pick in the Young Core draft, insert State Farm jingle, I'm taking the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> Anthony Simon, Shaden Sharp, Nasir Little. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's not my pick. The Blazers will not be picked in this draft. Yeah. I just wanted to see what would happen. I'm. This is a passion pick. My real number four overall pick is the Detroit Pistons. I am that high on Cade Cunningham. I feel like he will be an MVP candidate in two or three years. Wow. I think J- I think that they did incredibly well to <laughs> swan dive off King's stupidity, generational stupidity, and get Jaden Ivey at number five. I, you know, I, I don't think Jaden Ivey is a superstar, but I think he's awesome value at five, and I, I had him in that top tier of guys in this draft above Keegan Murray. I didn't understand that King's decision. And I really love Sadiq Bey. Sadiq Bey had some crazy late-season scoring games that I think some people will scoff at because, you know, last 20 games of the year for a team like the Pistons usually don't mean much, but he's a bucket getter, and I, he tries on defense. He has the Villanova DNA. I, but this is about Cade. Just like my first pick was about Luka, this is about Cade. I think that Cade is truly going to be one of those, like, tectonic plates in the NBA for years to come. And just having him at the top of their list makes them an easy number four pick for me. Yeah. Um, I had Detroit at six, so I don't think it's a crazy stretch to take them at four. Um, I also really like Cade. I love his skill set and at his size, combining that with the athletic potential of Ivy and I think a really nice fit between the two of them. And, and I didn't even mention Jalen Duran, who yeah. neither of us was particularly high on in the draft, but I, I think he's going to stick. I think he's yeah. going to be a solid rim runner. Um, I, I'm not sure that I would put him in the, the, the Detroit Pistons' prime young core, but he's there, and his ceiling's definitely high with his body and, and his physical tools. Yeah. Um, okay. Fifth pick for me? Fifth pick for Max. Also, one little... Uh... Factoid I wanted to throw in from Memphis, which always amuses me, is that Steven Adams is younger than Buddy Heald. <laughs> Just wanted to throw that in. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> neither of them qualify for the under 24, but just thought Steven Adams seems like he's in his late 30s, so it's funny that he's not. But And he's so rich. At pick five, I'm taking the Pelicans. Um, we have Zion, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Alvarado, Dyson Daniels, um, some guys who probably won't pan out in Jackson Hayes and Kyra Lewis and EJ Liddell, who I had oh, at God. 10 on my board. <laughs> You're and he was sick. Drafted in the forties, but I don't care because I'm, I cannot wait to see him in Summerlee. I can't wait to see him prove every team in the NBA wrong who passed on him. And then you have Zion who has first team all NBA upside. If he can just, you know. Lay off the, lay off the calories. So <laughs> he combined with the rest of that New Orleans core. I'm very high on them, and Ingram barely misses the cutoff for the Pelicans. But even without him, I'm taking that young core, those under 24 guys. Stoked to get them at five. I think that is a high level young core. Congrats, your worst pick yet. At number six, Cleveland. No. 
Give me, give me Evan Mobley and Darius yeah. Garland. That was my next one. Darius Garland is, is already an all-star. Mm-hmm. I'm in on that guy. And Evan Mobley is the only guy that I like less than Cade from that draft class. And I'm, that's about Cade and less about Evan Mobley. I think his ceiling's incredibly high. I don't need to argue for Evan Mobley. He was incredible defensively for a rookie. Has a lot of juice on the offensive end as a facilitator. His touch in the paint. Um, he's going to bulk up. I think his frame can afford some more weight and just those two guys alone. I mean, Colin Sexton actually qualifies here. Who knows how long he's going to be a Cav. Yeah. Just, just the Garland-Mobley combo for me, I feel like, is really fun yeah. for Cleveland moving forward. Yeah, that could be Sexton could be a solid trade chip, too. Yeah. And I like Agbaji, who they picked. Like, I think he'll be a oh, solid yeah. 3-and-D player. But, yeah, no, this, I, is, yeah. this is where I had Cleveland as well. I love Mobley and... Garland's a really solid young point guard. He's he's gonna be he's gonna make several All Star teams in his career. So, yeah, yeah. we agree um, there. And yes, thanks for mentioning Agbaji. I I thought I loved him going into the draft, and then he got picked at fourteen. But I I think you know, and I think that's right where I had him, maybe thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, he is a three and D guy, no doubt. And I trust the intangibles. And I yeah, I I think that he's gonna fit in really well with those guys. Yeah. All right, number seven. And this is the team I had at seven. We've taken my top six so far. And that is the Golden State Warriors. Whoa! Okay. Um, we've got Jordan Poole, Kaminga, Moses Moody, James Wiseman, and the unknown of Patrick Baldwin. Um, Poole, I think, has already displayed. He's got all-star upside. Uh, yep. Kaminga had a very encouraging rookie year, though he didn't play much at all in the playoffs, but I think they're probably going to rely on him to fill a lot of those minutes that Gary Payton played as sort of a utility man who can play defense, roll the basket, and hit the occasional three. And I think with his physical tools, his his potential is sky high. And Moses Moody, I think, is going to be a solid 3 and D player. And Wiseman, I'm pretty low on, I would say, out of the bunch. But he's seven foot one, athletic, so you never know. And I think when you already have a guy like Jordan Poole, who's probably about to get a hundred-plus million-dollar contract, deservedly so, that's a fair pick at number seven. I'm um, yeah with with the depth of those guys and yeah, yeah. I wanted a little bit more tangible Kuminga production before picking them, but I understand Poole is a dude for sure. Yep. Number eight overall, I am choosing between the first and third overall picks in this year's draft, essentially. Wow. Paolo's Magic, Jabari's Rockets. Okay, interesting. And I'm going with the Rockets because I love Alperin Shangun <laughs> just that much. All right. Jokic is the best big man passer we've ever had. Shangun is going to be top four before it's all said and done. Um, Jabari was number one on my board this year. I think there isn't a guy better suited to play the four slash five in time in today's league. I'm watching him right now. I'm watching the Rockets and Magic face off (laughs) in their first summer league games. And I'm tempted by Franz. I think Paolo is an awesome prospect in his own right. I think Shangun is going to be that incredibly 
effective and offensive player in time. And I'm and I just buy that Jabari's gonna blossom into a twenty something point scorer and a really, really good defender. And yeah. and my and my belief is that he will go down as the best player from the twenty twenty two draft. So yeah. Rockets for me at eight. Um I'm happy with that pick because it leaves a couple teams I had above both of those teams on the board for me. <laughs> but God, we're both so happy. I also had Houston above Orlando. And I don't know how to factor this in, but Houston also has all oh, the... Oh, sorry, Jalen Green. How can, yeah. I, I need to write these names out. Jalen Green, who I'm not even the biggest Jalen Green guy. I mentioned Shangun because I like Shangun more, <laughs> as ridiculous as that sounds. Um, but yeah, Jalen Green is, is Jalen Green is going to score. Yeah. Point, point blank, and he's a great. He moves off the ball. He's not a stand and on an island guy when he gives up the rock, and I think that's going to fit really well with Shangun. I think that Shangun over time is actually going to blossom into one of the premier facilitators of their offense because you have the shooting of Green and uh, now Jabari around him, and I, I'm just excited to see what those scores do around an offensive beacon like Alperen. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Back to you. They also have all the Brooklyn Nets picks for the next like six years. So those could, end yeah, up being but we aren't counting picks as part of the core, but yeah, yeah the, the Rockets core is only going to grow. Yeah. All right. With my pick, I believe this is the ninth pick. I'm going to take the Raptors. Um, uh, young Scotty got Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr. Who's only 23 years old. No, somehow. Yeah. yeah. Drafted at 19. Um, Precious Achua and Christian Coloco, who I had a top 20 grade on. And he was <laughs> taken uh, early in the second round, actually. But with the, I mean, Scotty Barnes winning Rookie of the Year in a really, I think what will go down is a historically good draft class is nothing to scoff at. Yeah. And with his physical tools, his motor, his basketball intelligence, I think he's one of those blue chip prospects from these teams that we've been discussing where we've had, I mean, Luca obviously, Ja, Cade, Zion, um, I guess Trey hasn't come up yet, but yeah, uh, Mobley. He's, he's gonna come up. Yeah, Scotty uh, is in that yeah. is in that group of of the blue chip prospects. So that's why I just had to take the Raptors here. Yeah. Plus the depth pieces, rotation starter guys that that are among that group as well. Yeah. Scotty's on uh, at the top of the short list. Or if I'm Brooklyn, I'm like those are my first calls. It's Scotty. Evan Mobley, it's Cade. It's these guys that I think like just haven't proven to me yet that they aren't going to be the best player on a real team in the yep. future. Um, as opposed to, you know, trading KD to some for someone like you know DeRozan or uh, Donovan Mitchell, like a a proven All Star who clear who who whose ceiling is we're, we're close enough to the ceiling that it's not worth gambling. You might as well try to build from the ground up. So yeah, love that pick for you. Yep. Um, the last one for me now, it's come down to Atlanta and Minnesota. Yep. And it's really just an ant. You know, it's how much do I love ant? And I love ant very much. But I'm also a big DeAndre Hunter believer. Mm. Um, DeAndre Hunter turns 25 a month and a half into the season. So he is eligible for this exercise. And, you know, Trey, completely stifled by Miami. But... I don't doubt that Trey is going to be around for a really long time, and he, you know, and he's he's gonna he's gonna be a many time All Star. I think DeAndre Hunter is going to be a few time All Star. Yeah. Um, wow. I, yeah. 
Um, I'm, I'm that high on DeAndre, Hunt, DeAndre Hunter, if he can stay healthy. Um, don't have the medicals in front of me, but I hope they look better than they've, than they've seemed to have looked to this point. Um, so yeah, the last pick in this <laughs> five-round, ten-pick young core draft, give me the Hawks. Um, and DeAndre, please prove me right. I do believe that Ant at his peak will be better than Trey, uh, but I'm not a McDaniels truther. Like apparently that everyone is in Minnesota. Yeah. They're so proud that they didn't include him in the Gobert package. For me, it was really Ant versus Trey and DeAndre, and I think that that combo wins out for me for my last pick. Yeah, um, I had Atlanta in my top ten, so I think that's a good pick. I will say. If we're just talking about some like honorable mentions, I might be a bit of a fraud in that I had Paolo in a tier of his own in my draft board, and yet I did not have the magic in my top 10. Um, what does it mean? I don't know what it means. I guess I just need to see a little bit before I fully commit to, to putting one of these teams high up in my top 10. Same thing with the Rockets where I like Jalen Green and I like yeah. Jabari Smith, but I'm just going to need to see a little bit of Jabari Smith first before I'm comfortable putting him that high up in my rankings. Franz Wagner, early bloomer for you? Franz Wagner, yeah. You know, Chumo Kiki as well. <laughs> yep. Um, Some Cole Anthony action. Yeah, Cole Anthony. So... What about what about the Hornets in Charlotte? It's basically LaMelo and Miles. Yeah, Bridges. I mean, I think there's a pretty... Good chance Miles Bridges doesn't play another NBA game, so I don't really know how yeah, we yeah. how we yeah. factor that. I, in. I I I wasn't even sure whether to throw them into the conversation because to be determined what's going on in Bridges's yeah life outside basketball, but you know, um, on the on the court that has been a pretty devastating combo. But I'm a little bit lower on Lamelo than I think consensus, and so they didn't get into they didn't crack my top ten. Um, Boston was an interesting one. Yep, it's just Tatum, basically. It's just Tatum. I, I think that we kind of had an unwritten agreement that we weren't going to include Boston because Tatum's been around so long, and it's really only Tatum who, who uh, you know, of their, like, really talented young players who he qualifies. Barely, he barely qualifies. And he barely qualifies, and we all know Tatum is here to stay as, like, a top 10, top 15 guy for a really yeah. long time. So it goes without saying that he'd be in this conversation. The Knicks were the last team on my list. Um, that's, is, that is, that is fucking despicable. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like I'm, I'm going to cut the podcast right now. <laughs> and this is coming from the RJ truther. I had jaw one, RJ two and Zion three. And you're going to look me in the eye and tell me that you have the Knicks. You have the Knicks here. It's a, it's a quantity over quality argument. I will say, um, Quentin Grimes. Yeah, man. RJ. Toppin, Quickly, Grimes, Mitch, McBride. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can hear me talking myself out of it live on air. I yeah, this Jericho Sims <laughs> just got a new contract. Oh but, good, can he still jump? Well, guess what? That's not the entire sport. Yeah. Um. Look, they were last on my list of all the teams that I gathered. Yeah, to be clear, listeners, before we did this, I just said to Max, like, wow, there are a lot of more good young cores than I realized. He says, his first text response was, yeah, I got to about 13 before there was a big drop-off. Little did I know the Knicks were 13. In other words, there was a big drop-off after 12. Yeah. RJ, I believe in you. Keep getting better. But I'm sorry. You, you have not earned this honorable mention. Um, yeah. 
I'm sorry, LaMelo. Guys like, we didn't pick. Who did we not pick? We didn't pick LaMelo. I guess that's, that's the only one on my board that I thought was particularly interesting. We didn't pick Ant. We didn't pick Ant. Those guys are clearly above the Knicks. So, so you know what? I take it back. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the Knicks do slip into 13. I had the Wolves at 12. Okay, but, but the 12 to 13 drop-off is very legit. And, you know, if, if anyone knows a good therapist, Max is in search of some support. <laughs> Um, okay, this was this was our first unedited, just brute force episode of the Pod Sham Pod. We wanted to get one out quickly. Max is visiting New York right now. He's usually on yeah. the West Coast, so we finally got to do this in person. It's definitely easier. The Zoom delay, the internet cutouts, five G's a lie. It's just like there's there, we we face some obstacles to this point and. Being able to do this in person was really fun, man. Yeah, absolutely. And not having to deal with, you know, reading the body cues and everything and just just shooting from the hip. It was good. So we also didn't pick the Spurs. I don't know if yeah. you're a big uh, Josh Primo fan. But... <laughs> not a big Josh Primo fan, but, but, <laughs> but a Jeremy Sohan stan. Don't mess with the Sohan. And please, Shaden Sharp, make my day. Time to watch some Summer League basketball. Thanks for listening to the Pod Jam Pod. Yeah, thanks everyone. See you next time. Peace.